Okay. All right. You're right there, Archie. Okay, so today we have also officially came to the end of our 21 days of prayer, declare, and grumble. So who didn't grumble in 21 days? You didn't grumble. How didn't you do that? You must t- tell me how you didn't do that. Yeah, that was challenging. That was challenging. Because then if you watch the Springboks, you're going to grumble for three weeks in a row. <laughs> yeah, so it is what it is. You know, but uh, these declarations, you know, that's like I was saying, we start like that, you, you can't say them in the flesh. You can't just repeat the words and stuff. You've, you've got to speak them in the Spirit and partner with the Spirit when you declare and speak these things. You know, and these declarations that you've got, go back and read them. Go back and speak them over your heart and over your life. There were some really fantastic ones that were written in the last 21 days. So thank you to all the added their voices and stuff. And then we'll turn around. February will be here very quickly, and we will do another one of 20 days of prayer and fasting. But the timing of this one was key for now. It was difficult. It was challenging because there was so much pressing in on us. There was just pressure emotionally. And to stir yourself up for that, it's, as I said, yeah, it's not about the performance. It's just about being faithful and doing the right stuff and standing firm on the truths of what God is speaking over your heart and your life. That's what the declaration is saying. It's saying what he's saying. Okay, so just a few things. I'm going to wrap this into my preach this morning as we speak about this stuff because, you know, we've been separated, we've been apart for months and months and months, and we all come back together, and, you, you know, there's this feeling of just wanting to get to back to some kind of normality of life. We're all straining for that. We're all hoping and trusting and believing for that. And, guys, we're very serious here when we say that the kids' work, rooted kids, is not going to just be taken on by a few people. We all need to be involved in that. You know, your, your children's spirituality is your responsibility. It's not these people once. So what were you doing for the last five months when you weren't coming to church? How were you encouraging your children? This is not the moment. I get this is the moment where they'll learn and they'll understand a little bit more. But we all have to work together. And it is going to be a bit messy. But that's the joy of what church is going to be about. So we will set up those rosters next week and and do that. But there's this context of family. We're all in this together. We're We're not family by blood, but yet by the covenant of His blood... We are a family. We're a spiritual family. And whether you want to make it home or not, that's up to you. You know, and I don't know if you've ever, ever seen and watched, I've just watched the documentary on 9-11 with the 20 years of celebrating this. And the, I mean, when you watch it in its, in its reality, it was crazy. What a day in New York on the 11th of September. But when they interview everybody, and they're asking, and the guys have escaped death, and they've been stuck in the rubble, that only 18 people were actually rescued out of all that rubble with those buildings that fell. But then people were facing death. They were thinking they were going to die, and they thought this was the end. What's the one thing nearly 99% of them all spoke about? Was their families. They all spoke about their families. These are the things, these are the things they were saying. You know, they were, you know, and their family was the thing that, and it brought them to tears with them saying, I won't get to see my daughter and walk her down the aisle when she gets married. I won't see my newborn child that's about to be born. I've got to prepare for my child's birthday that's coming up. I, you know, my wife and her children will all be alone if I go. My fiance, I just need to phone him one more time to tell him that I love him. My grandparents, my mom and my dad. Oh, what are they going to do? I'm not going to be here anymore. 
Those are the things that come up as they're facing death. They talk about family. It's, not, it's, it's, it's powerful. And they're drawn to tears and then me, the softy, I cry as well. Because it's, it's the most precious thing to people that they hold on to. And we are a spiritual family that sits together. And if you've ever seen those clips as well of the, of the troops, those the guys in the army and they come home from being on deployment for about six months or a year and they surprise their family when they come home. I mean, I'm like a shocker. I mean, I'm, I'm like in tears and they sing that song, I'm coming home, I'm coming home. It's like heart strings, whoo, whoo, keep yourself together every time. But it's family. A mother misses her son. And the, the chances are he might, he's facing death. He's facing these realities. Family, people. And we've spoke about this through these last 20 months, that the last verse in Malachi, that the father's hearts will be turned to their sons and their sons to the father. The Lord is doing a restoration of family in this time and this season. And no matter what context of family you might be in. So next week, there's a few of us that I'm going to ask. We're going to, we're going to interview some people next week on the context of their family circumstance. Because all our family situations are different. Some of us have raised our children as a single parent. You know, there's those realities. Some of us have got challenges with our children. Some of us have got, you know, different aspects of our lives and our families, and we want to hear these stories. They're not all the same. They're all different, but we are one because of what Jesus has done for us. There's that line, I don't know if you've heard that before. It's not in the Bible, and I wish it was, and I think I've said it yet before. It says, blood is thicker than water. And I always thought that meant blood, meaning, meaning blood, my brother, my sister, from the same mother, is thicker than water. But what's the water? It's just thinner. But actually that line means that the blood of covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. Okay? So my love for Errol, okay, is, is from blood covenant. Because of Jesus, He set us together as brothers. I talk to Errol and journey through life in deeper stuff than I talk to my own brother who lives in Plet. Yes, I love my brother to bits. He's a fantastic guy. I found out that we lucked on the phone, had an absolute jaw and stuff. But I talk to Errol, who's my brother in covenant, about different stuff because we're in the family here yeah. together. The blood of covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. I think I go deeper with Errol. And that's no diss to my own family. I love them to bits. But there's something very powerful in the covenant that God has given us to make us a family and make us one. And actually to live from that place. You're all loved, you're embraced, you're accepted. The separation thing, that's the thing that's hurt us. The isolation has been the tough part of what this all means. Okay? So we are a spiritual family. Okay? And it's, this is essential for our well-being. Okay? And our hearts that when they are fully invested into a community like this, which is one of thousands across just Cape Town. One across millions across the world. But the Lord says, and Paul said in Corinthians, that each one has been set within the body as the Lord chooses. Your heart's invested here because you feel like you belong. Then listen to your heart and fully invest. And there's the reward. Because we are a spiritual family that's all together here. Okay? And I, and I, and I know... There's a lot of questions in our hearts about where we're at and life right now. That's why this speed and this hate and crime bill thing, it's not time to be silent. 
to sit back and just, ah, well, someone else will do it. We've got to put our voices to stuff. And we keep saying, you know, you know, and I think we've got these questions in our hearts. What is it going to look like going forward? Because we keep saying things, things are different now. And you're sitting here going, but it doesn't feel very different. This is how it was before. It's, yes, there's always going to be elements of a gathering. We're going to hear different things. We're going to dedicate babies. We're going to take offerings. We're going to sing songs. We're going to hear the word of God. There's that reality. But when I say it's different, it's that how we position ourselves and align ourselves in this hour to with what God is saying, not what we want. If you want just to feel comfortable and back to the way things are, there's a verse, I don't know in Matthew, some it's 12 or 13 around there, I was struck by this verse where Jesus is saying to these guys, he says, I haven't come to give you peace. You think I've come to be, give you peace? No, I haven't. I'm like, whoa, I've never seen that before. What do you mean no peace? He says, I've actually come to bring destruction. I'm like, why did I not see that before? Okay, but the word peace there is not shalom. The word peace there is actually about your own comfort. And just being secure and just keeping everything, keep it, yeah, keep it, yeah, keep it steady. He says, actually, I've come to give destruction to that. Because your little comfortable lives are not the things that are going to advance the kingdom. They've actually come to destroy it all. That's what he came to do. The comfortable little religious system that the Jewish people were holding on to, in the day he came to throw it all apart. Because it was just working. But people weren't growing. And he brought about a new order. So the Lord has brought about a new order in the season. And whether we are prepared to jump on the bus and jump on the train and go with him. We don't have to do anything new necessarily. It's about positioning your mind and your heart to saying it's a new era. God, you are going to do good stuff. I'm going to stand in that. I'm going to believe in that. By faith, we walk forward and we claim the things of God. Yes, we will still take offerings. Yes, we will worship. Yes, we will hear testimonies. Yes, we will dedicate babies. Yes, we will have funerals and memorials. That's what happens. Different is not for different sake. There are many people that try and do things differently, but it just looks weird. Different is not weird. Different is heart, how you position ourselves. And I know I've been saying that you know, it looks the same, feels the same. No, these last 20 months, folks, the world is different now. It's different. From what we've seen play out in the last 20 months, none of us fully trust any government. I don't think that's a bad thing. Because, and we have reason to, I know. Okay? But yes, we must pray for our government. We must speak all those things. But there's been unearthing and exposing of the agendas that have taken place around the nations of the world. People, people that have too much money and too much power. They're wicked. The things they do to people, the things that are set in place, they're evil. These things are being exposed, left, right, and center. So what do we do as the ecclesia, as the people of God, as this assembly that's gathered here, what do we do in these places? And I'm going to touch on that this morning, and I'm going to preach into that for the rest of the year. Okay, and believing we will be here, we're going to be meeting. There's a lot to say into this kind of thing. See, no one can come through the last season. No one can come through these last 20 months and say, it never affected me. I mean, I'm totally fine. Well, come and sit down and talk to me and how you did that. Because everyone, okay, we've all been affected by these last 20 months in one shape, form, or another. All the aspects of loss, of, you know, finances, and the emotional journeys you've all gone on, the, the church, the pressure we've been put under, we've all faced it. So we've been affected by these last 20 months, okay? And no one can say in the season, they've shown us that each of our faults, our failings, our shortcomings, and not what we did previously was wrong, but it's just kind of highlighted that we've probably got to align things in a little bit of a better way. In two ways. 
the individual life, your own life that March, April, May, June, well, April last year was, yeah, three weeks, it's going to be over, woohoo, making puzzles at home, having fun, this is lacquer, then it didn't, then it wasn't so lacquer, and then it turned, eh, yeah, and stuff, but we all had the mirror standing in front of us, and you looked at yourself for months last year, yes, like, yes, my lelik, yo. And you're staring at yourself, and you see your own weaknesses, and you see your own failings, and you see all your own stuff. It was difficult. But we've, we've walked through that, the individual road. And what have we lacked and what have we missed out? Probably the most in our lives is the corporate. But one can't do without the other. The individual needs to know and understand the things of God. The corporate stands and know the power they have to legislate and to speak into the heavenlies where two or three are gathered, and you work those together like two lungs that operate and breathe the same. They're not one or the other. No, I am the church. I don't need to go to church. Please don't give me that nonsense. Please. We are the church together, corporately. And yes, there are millions of churches around the world. If we could all just follow the things of the Spirit and on our own agendas and allow Him to work and move, the church would be unified. And that's also coming. We are believing for that. The key word. And there's two key words here today. The first key word is accountability. So you take these last 20 months, who were you accountable to? You came and did, and what you needed when no one watched your life. You see, first thing we're accountable to is Jesus. Number one, I wake up every morning, I'm accountable to my Father, and the King who sits on the throne. My life is to you, God. What I do today is in glory and honor of you. I might stumble, I might fall, I might grumble, I might do these kind of things, but then I set an order right. The second thing is, like, so take this example here. As an eldership, we are accountable to you. If the elders don't arrive here one Sunday, you're going to be like, and now? Like, no, there's an accountability. We're here <laughs> every Sunday. Well, when we can meet, which now we do. We're meeting. We're not going to go back. Come on, Jesus, we're not going to go back. No, what fourth wave? Fourth wave, is that what the next one is? No fourth wave. Nonsense. Nonsense. You know, I was, we were at the waterfront yesterday. I'm like nearly videoed this whole thing. I'm like, there are so many freaking people here walking around. Like, there's no social distancing, but you want to tell us we can't sit in the church building and have a meeting because everyone's carrying on. No, no, no. The times are turning and this is, this is rising. Anyway, stick to the topic. Stick to the topic. Okay? Accountability. We don't arrive. You're going to be like, hey, where are you guys? Okay? I'm accountable. Catherine and I are accountable to the eldership team. We're accountable to you. But who you're accountable to? You can't all just be accountable to me. Because it's a lot of effort and time on my plate for you all messaging me saying, sorry, I can't make Sunday. Uh, because I'm like, okay, yeah, and I'll reply to everybody. Yeah, no worries. That's fine. No, no worries. I'll, that's all I'll do all morning. <laughs> accountability. Who are you accountable to? And accountability is an ugly word because people don't like it because they feel where there's law and legalism that it's someone watching you. Hey, but I'm watching you, eh? Watching you, Bob. Bob, I'm now watching you. Step out of line, eh? That's not accountability. That's, that's law. That's, that's putting you under something. We're all equals here. Okay? We're all one in Christ. Okay? But we want to be accountable to each other because if you're accountable to nobody, you can just do your own thing. So here's an example. So I send the WhatsApp out on a Sunday morning when I'm sitting at home and give a great sermon to myself to a cell phone and I preach my heart out for half an hour and I click send. I'm like, I hope they listen to that. And I know many didn't. Who are you accountable to? You just decide, no, nah, I don't need that. 
Ach, I don't. I know. Just carry on. And you make decisions on an individual basis, but there's no corporate understanding where you're accountable to each other. Firstly to Jesus, but accountable to each other. It's not watching your life. Hey, hey, where were you? Hey, where were you? Because then you get into legalism. You get Life goes on. I get that. But if we're not going to up our game in this season and actually realize by the unity of standing together and just keep doing our own thing, we're going to never take ground for the kingdom. It's going to be loosely shaped all over the place doing our own thing. It's a coming together in unity and what God is saying to us and accountability to each other. Okay? And it's, the accountability actually takes place in a smaller group context. Okay? It's not just the big numbers here and all it together. Like, if the eldership, or some of the guys aren't here on a Sunday morning, I know about it. Because we're accountable to each other. And this is the plan of going forward in the life of the church with uh, smaller things that will be playing out in the groups here. Okay. And when we say the words, now this we're going forward, we're taking ground, you know, we're doing all that, things are going to look different. And we say the words, the ecclesia is arising in this hour. We are arising, we are awakening. Kind of like, what does that even mean? Like, what are, you trying to, what are you saying when you say that? Okay, we understand these things. Okay, the way things have worked in the last 20 months, and the way, it wasn't like that was wrong, I've said. Okay, it wasn't wrong. But the way we go forward now, and the way we understand, have been caught up in the realities of what we're facing right now, the awakening and the arising, it's like I've said here, is realizing the world has radically changed. And we, on our watch have seen incredible wicked things take place around the nations of the world. Yeah. You know, it's been quite interesting for me. I choose not to listen to a lot of prophetic people. I really don't. Because I want to know and hear what God is saying to me. So Kathleen listens to everybody. She listens to all these guys. And then I'll say things here like I've said, there we go, works like that in your house too. So what's God saying to you, Richard? You know, and you just confirm with all the prophetic voices out there. Because I don't want to be bombarded. I want to know what God's saying for me in this community. Okay, yes, I don't not listen. I don't not read things. I don't want to live in a bubble. But I engage when I need to. And then often Kathleen will say, didn't you just say about the value of decision? I'm like, yeah, we said about we're all in the value of decision. They're also saying that. I'm like, oh, well, that's pretty cool. And you know how many times it confirms? Which is assurance for me, God speaking, it's not about trying to hit the big word every time and the word's going to change the nation and speaking about it's being faithful with a little. Faithful with God's saying. And I wrote down all these words that God's been saying to me right from the beginning of lockdown. I just wrote, they one words or sentences. I dream a word, I dream something, they all confirm what God is saying. So you've got to be assured in your own heart what He's speaking to you because the world has radically changed and we need to be awake. And I don't mean awake to... Here we are, can sing songs and shout louder. It's like we awake because we are watchmen watching what the schemes of the enemy are. And seeing as he moves, as he tries to destroy and break down families and the, what he's trying to move and trying to work, we see him coming. And we'll only achieve those things if we stand together. In unity, in an agreement to what God is saying and, and work. That's what awakening is. Not being louder. Not just um, being on time. <laughs> Awake. We're awake in the spirit. We're awake to what's happening in the spiritual realms. Now I want to read to you Acts 2. So that was a very long introduction. But there's a lot, there's a lot pent up in my heart to say. That's why, yeah, 
Okay, Acts 2. I want to read this verse from verses. This is, you know, Acts 2. I want to read from verse 36 further down. Now, Acts 2, we all know this passage. This is where the guys were in the upper room, and the Spirit of Pentecost, or the Spirit of came down, and the Pentecost over that weekend touched them, and the Spirit of God broke out, and these guys came walking outside, and they were like, Jeepers, you guys are drunk. No, no, it's only nine in the morning. And Peter preaches this incredible sermon about what you guys, what you people did to this Messiah Jesus. And I guess to this point here, after he's explained all that and said these things, he says, let all, from verse 36, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now remember, now look at that, he says Lord and Christ, not saying the same thing. He's saying he's Lord, meaning he's ruler, he's over, he's in charge of you, and Christ, meaning that person who's in charge of you, is the Messiah. Okay? Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. I love that line. Cut to the heart. Meaning, oh, they were moved emotionally, deeply cut to what they had just done to the Messiah. And, then, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brother, what shall we do? They essentially were so convicted that they killed this man. Well, what do we do now? What do we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you. And when he said that, he's on the temple mount and the steps, speaking out to this massive group of people. And there were many pools that they used to wash themselves in, in different places. So they, they, they were got saved and they were baptized there and then. At the same time. Okay. Every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins to be baptized. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That whole transaction in your Bible, you don't often see they're all separated. So we get saved today. We're doing a baptism in five weeks' time. Okay? So that, no, it all happened at the same time. They were baptized in water and they received the power of the Holy Spirit in them and their lives were transformed and changed in that moment together. Okay? And the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off Meaning Gentiles, everyone, this is just to the Jews. The Gentiles are still going to be brought in. Acts 10 hasn't come yet. Everyone of whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. <laughs> we live in a crooked generation. Just take the last 20 months. The crookedness that's happened, that's gone on. And so those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. They weren't just randomly like, good luck out there, pal. No, they were added. Okay? Heart investment into what God was doing in Jerusalem in that time. Acts 2.42. We continue reading. And they devoted themselves. These people now who had just experienced this, they devoted themselves to these four things. The apostles' teaching, and the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Those four things were crucial in their lives, okay? And all came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. All. They stood in awe of the power and the majesty of who God is. It's, it's the reverent fear of a mighty and holy God who they've realized we murdered. We put him on a cross but now he's created a way that we can accept him as a savior and messiah to us. 
And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple, okay, meaning they had corporate meetings, attending the temple and together, uh, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, meaning they were smaller gatherings together. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, meaning they ate together and they enjoyed each other's company. And they shared these things together, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. It's the greatest standard and point that the church for 2,021 years has tried to achieve. And I don't think it's ever fully got to the incredible outpouring what God did in that time and that day in Jerusalem in that hour. But it's always been a goal. It's always been a desire to see the church look something or very close to what happens here in Acts 2. And we have to believe for that. So there are five things that I'm going to touch in over the next couple of weeks as we journey through this thing together and understand what God is saying to us, what He's been speaking to us about. So firstly, they realized what they had done to Jesus. They realized their own sinfulness. They realized their shortcoming in their own human understanding of you are an imposter, we need to kill you. They realized their own sin. And what did they do? They repented. They turned. And this, this repentance joined them into the family of God. The second thing was, it was for their children and future generations. It says those words there. It wasn't just for you in this time and this hour and all the best now. I don't know about you as parents, I've got a real heart that my kids understand the ways of the Lord. Yes, they will wonder and they will try their own things and make mistakes, but they need to understand the Bible. They need to know the stories. They need to know how to pray. They need to know how to confess their sins. We've got to teach our children those things. We can't just hope they catch it by osmosis and sit here on a Sunday, hope they get it. No. Okay, that's the second thing. Then the, sorry, there are six things. Then the four things, there was teaching, meaning there was sound doctrine. There was being spoken into their heart. They can understand the ways of the law. There was taught to them. Fourthly, there was fellowship. That word, kononia. Now, this is what happens to me. You know, I know that word, but it wasn't on my radar. At random times, God just drops a word into my spirit. I'm racing Formula One on the Xbox at home. I'm not thinking about church. I'm thinking about, I'm going to win this race in France. And I'm giving it horns around there. Cononia. Cononia. I'm busy here. That's how God, I've learned to hear that's how he speaks to me. That word cononia means fellowship. And it's used about 17 or 18, 19 times in the Bible, but it speaks about the togetherness. Fellowship. Not just cake and tea. Hey, brother. And you talk nonsense. Fellowship. You truly heart-to-heart -heart connection. I'm going to speak into that one week. What that means, what that looks like. Kononia. It's a Greek word. Okay? Fifthly was the breaking of bread. And then sixthly was prayer. Not just individual prayer. We're talking corporate prayer. They were actually together. Now, and I'm, I've, got a, I've got a lot to tell you about things like prayer. And I've mentioned a few times. We've thrown this out a little bit on the calls that we've had over the last months about prayer watches that we've established here with our leaders. Every single one of us needs to be plugged in. And we'll help you, okay? We'll help that work out. 
but you can't sit as an individual in a big crowd with no corporate understanding together and journeying life together. Those six things we're going to journey through in the next couple of weeks together. Okay? So when, you know, when we read the book of Acts and we read what took place there in Acts 2, that whole play out, and they were, they, you know, it sounds so fantastical. They went to the temple and every day they met in homes. You think, like, did they not have a life? Did they not have a job? Did they not have other responsibilities? Yes, the world is very different 2,000 years ago. But there was one thing that they had. Here's the second word. First word was accountability to each other. The second word was they knew priorities. If spiritual things are not a priority in your life, they will be secondary. Which means you won't grow corporately. You might grow individually with your own stuff, but you've got no one to talk to about it. Corporately, how these things play out, it was a priority that they met together. It was a priority that they understood the teaching of the apostles and good sound doctrine. It was a priority to break bread. It was a priority to pray. We live in a world today where we try and add all the spiritual stuff into our busy worlds. You said words, I took time yesterday. You're not going to get time, folks. You stole time. And you're a thief. That's awesome. Yeah? Who did you steal it from? <laughs> That's a good question. From yourself. You're the only one that can create it. If I don't put my phone down and away, it will consume me all the time. There's always stuff happening on it. There's always things. I'm on so many blimmin' groups around all over the place. Leave it. And all notifications are gone. I don't actually, it doesn't buzz, it doesn't do anything. People say, I try to phone you. Sorry. So if I miss your calls, sorry. Just try again and again. A prior, priority. What are your priorities? Is it to read the Bible? <laughs> Is it to pray? Yes, that's one thing as an individual. But then how does that look corporately? To pray together. To have fellowship. To do these things. And unfortunately, what's happened for us in the last 20 months, it's exposed our whole world and our life as church revolves around a meeting on a Sunday. And we took that meeting away. And then we kind of questioned where we're at how we're working, and we've been tested as individuals in this last 20 months. Tested. Hard. Man, trying. It's been difficult. But where the encouragement comes from is the corporate. That's what gives us life. The togetherness. That's why we last week we're here together. It's just so great to see people and be together. That's the point of fellowship. Talking on Zoom is great, but it's just not the be all and end all. It's far better to see you in the flesh, Richard. It's far better. This Zoom thing that we got running there, it's not the substitute. Okay? It's just to help those that can't get here or can't be here. Okay? And uh, priorities and accountability. That's what we're walking into this season. Not a priority to make this church look good. Not a priority of running around and doing also lots of stuff, but you actually never grow yourself. A priority to set the Lord and the order of your life with Him first. And then we are accountable to one another in love. Yeah. See, wild at heart men, and it just, you're all men, you're not wild at heart, you're men. Okay, we use wild at heart, the name, because of the book, we might change the name. But we all sit here on a Sunday evening, next week, and do you think, do you think in your heart's a priority that men get together and sit in a room together? Why are the wives nodding their heads? But the problem is, when you don't come, no one asks where you were. Which means you're not accountable to anybody. 
So then you're not challenged. And you don't grow corporately. I'm over meetings, people. Even though we haven't had meetings, I don't do meetings. This is not just a meeting. No, there's purpose in this gathering, this assembly that gathers to the Lord spiritually to declare and set things in order. I've never known anyone in my whole life except someone who's rebellious leaving a Sunday morning meeting and feeling discouraged. Yes, we carry things and they're burdens on our hearts, but don't use Sunday to make you feel better. Set your life in order in the week and come and celebrate together of what God is doing in our lives. That's crucial. Accountability, it's, it's massive. It's huge. They scored. Great goal. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to wrap this stuff up here. There's so much to say. You know, so we're going to go on a journey. I'm going to carry those six things we're going to journey through and understand each of these things over the next couple of weeks. But there's so much pent up in me to talk into. I'm just going to give you some highlights of the stuff we're going to continue talking about through the rest of this year. Is I'd only touched on half of opening up the understanding of the true meaning of that word ecclesia, which they've translated into church, which is the wrong translation. Okay, and what the meaning of that word actually means. When we don't fully understand who we are, we will never get right what we do. Identity and purpose. That's fairness. These just all every other's meaning. Identity and purpose. That's crucial. If you don't know who you are, you don't know what to do. So when we say, hey, let the gather, then Ecclesia come and pray, and seven people pitch up, the church of a couple hundred people, you don't know who you are. Yeah, come on. You don't have your priorities right. Yeah. And you're not accountable to anybody. Because yeah. you just do it on your own whims. Okay? Ecclesia. We're going to finish speaking about biblical governance and how God sees government. And then, folks, we are going to start touching on the end times. Dun, 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 drum roll. Symbols. The end times. Yes. We're going to talk about the rapture. Yes. That word doesn't even exist in the Bible. But we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about Israel. We're going to understand the concept, the understanding of what the Lord said with His people. Because many of us don't get that. And so we wander around hopelessly aiming for the best and we don't understand. We're going to speak about the Antichrist. That He's going to be a person. That's going to arise and throw peace around the nations and he's going to cause destruction. Yeah. Okay, I'm a novice when it comes to this stuff, but we're going to go there anyway. Because yeah. we need to understand, we need to talk into these, have these conversations. And I'm not going to try and convince you. You have discernment by the power of the Spirit to discern what is good and evil. I'm a good person, I'm not evil. We are going to go on this journey together. Yeah. I'm not trying to get it all right, but we're going to open up the conversation. Because the world is different from what it was. Yeah. 20 months ago. Okay? I'm going to talk into a thing called replacement theology. Where people have replaced, where the church has replaced Israel. So it cuts out a lot of the Bible. Okay? We're going to go there. And it's going to bring up a lot of conversations and a lot of cognitive dissonance. We've spoken about cognitive dissonance quite a few times from this pulpit. Just to remind you, cognitive dissonance means that when I say something and you don't agree with it, you basically want to argue with me. Because you have a channel of truth and you can't see anything beyond that. 
we're going to broaden up our understandings, and we're going to have a look at a fresh perspective on stuff. You might not have it all right. I don't say I've got it all right, but we're going to go there. We're going to talk that stuff because it'll help us as a church community. And then what we'll build into, which I'll preach into one of these weeks about prayer, is that this is Jesus' words when he was tipping tables and angry with these people. He said, you've made my, house, my father's house a house of dens and thieves. It's a house of prayer for all nations. That's what it is. And that's the priority that we're going to set in place. And God's going to lead us through this. Why? Why are we going to go through all this stuff? Because there's a far bigger reality that we're walking through right now, folks. Comfortable little church and coming to do our little thing and have a cup of coffee and talk to brothers and sisters in Christ and go home and it's all sweet and nice are over. It's done. We are, at, we are in a war right now. There's a war that has arisen that we are standing up to. The realities of what's playing out in a world right now and this is the ecclesia that takes the order. Where do we fight? Not flesh and blood. We're not fighting Mr. Ramaphosa. Okay? We fight flesh and blood. And that's where the legislative body sets an order. Yes, we do the practical by signing your forms at the end here and putting your voice in place. What's happening? I'll send you that thing. Take you 30 seconds. Put your voice in place. Say, no, not under our watch. This is ridiculous. Righteous people. I'm a righteous person. We're arising. Enough. That's what's happening. Okay? We're awakening in this hour. Okay? Because the agenda of the enemy, where his ambassadors around the globe who have gained influence and power through money and use fear to control, is being exposed in every single way. Okay? And that's who we are, the ecclesia. Two things from today. I've, got, I've said a lot and I've just rambled, I think. But anyway, two things. Who are you accountable to? This has probably been the hardest thing of being a pastor in the last two, 20 months. Because I don't know if you watch the YouTube clip or you watch the Facebook feed or you listen to the voice note. Because I don't know. I can't, I can't tell. I tried to tell, but the views are less than the people that sit in this room. And then the Facebook, there's everyone else there. And you're like, no, man, they mustn't. They, that's, yeah, this is, these are the people that God's given us together. Accountability and what are your priorities? And it's choosing the things of God first and setting them in order. Not through law and legalism. And listen to a guy this morning. When he says they speak about the Torah, he says, don't call it the law, the first five books in the Bible. He says, call it, it actually means, the meaning of that word means the way. The way. Follow these things and your life will set in order. And what do they say in the New Testament? Are you followers of the way? You Christians. We're going to live according to the way of the Lord. There's so much, there's so much to say about our priorities and accountable, accountable to one another. And we arise together. That's what Acts 2. No one was in lack. They all had koinonia, fellowship together. And God did mighty miracles in their time. I'm believing God is going to do mighty miracles. Like random people giving you blood pressure machines. Errol was going to share, next week will share a testimony about what happened with Siakula. Random things. Increases of salaries. Things. God's blowing our minds off here. He's like, I can do more than you think I can. Just trust me. Let's stand together and we'll commit this and pray. That was like the Americans clapping for the Europeans in the Ryder Cup when the, when the European cans of putting wins the hole. Not, they're not very happy. 
and the American, USA, like a bit more excited. But anyway, that's fine. Let's just lift, let's lift our hands to him. Even you guys online, a few people there on the Zoom call, we're all in this together, folks. Father, here we are. We stand before you. We've been pushed from pillar to post in the last 20 months, Lord. The church, Lord, the, the realities of what we face, but we know it's just beyond a meeting. We know we gather to you, Lord, even if we sit in our homes. But here we are, your people together. We thank you for the years that this community has been going, the altar that we've established in the spiritual realm. So when we gather and worship, heaven responds to our hearts to pour our lives down to him. And as we worship you, and I heard this last week too, that word worship actually means to fall flat on your face. Just God, here we are. I lay it all down in surrender and awe of your majesty and your beauty. So Father, we just say to you, that for these next months, as this journey we go on as a community, we pray our hearts would be continually knitted together. We would understand what it is to be part of the body as we journey of what you've got in store for us. Because, Lord, we know your kingdom is unshakable. Yes, this world is shaking in every single way, and we're looking to so many things to try and give us an, a lift up. Oh, come on, Springboks, win, man. I feel better when you win, but you're losing, and I feel down. But, Lord... I lift myself and I, my gaze to you because you are the only one that will satisfy. You are the only one that answers the longing and the desire in our hearts. So we say, Lord, we're accountable to you. We're accountable to one another here. And our priority in this season is to honor and worship you with our lives. Help us, Lord. Help us. And I was just praying this morning the Lord's Prayer again. Help us. It says, forgive those that have trespassed. Forgive me my trespasses. Forgive those who have trespassed against me. Yes, those that have done things to you. Just let it all go and lead me not into temptation. So the temptation of self, to not have self-control. The temptation to wander off and not do things. Lord, help us to not fall into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. Because we say that yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever and ever. You will reign on high. And we worship you today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Have a fantastic day. There are forms in the back and the foyer there that Pat will be with that you can sign. I'll send that WhatsApp out later today on Monday morning. And you guys will sign as well. Amen.